ahead and be seated. They're a little late with the pulpit tonight, so. Very good. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1, 2, and 11. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 11. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Verse 11 speaks of, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Even as I said before the play, in the introduction of the play, when I was a child in the 60s remembering those things and you know pass some of the traditions on to my children and well I looked in the mirror before I came here I'm no longer a child in the 60s I'm an old man and it's 2014 but as an old man there's certain benefits that come from that and one of them is grandchildren grandchildren yeah just those little kids that God has given you to love upon don't really have to do the hard stuff, able to spoil them and give them back to their parents, which is also called revenge. (laughs) But we see these wise men, and I'll never be a magi, but how about a wise man, a, a wise grandfather? What does it take to truly become a wise grandfather? Well, I was considering a couple of things because, well, I remember myself as a kid and what my priorities were for Christmas and for that gift. I used to go snooping. I would look in my parents' closet. I figured out pretty early that there was no Santa. And so I would go looking in my parents' closet and looking through the gifts, and there was still the anticipation of taking possession. But a lot of times, I think they got on to me, they would wrap them, and you still... I wasn't brave enough to tear the wrapping paper at that point, but still just wondering and trying to guess and all of those things because I had a list. And my list was pretty long, it was pretty personal, and it was also pretty selfish. It included all the typical boy stuff, bikes and balls, games and guns and trains and trucks. There was always that one game that the family kind of all got together and got into. I remember my son, we got him a laser tag game, and me and him, him and I, we played with that for the majority of the day. Then there came a time in my life that my perspective of Christmas changed. We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childless things. So as an adult, as I became a parent, my thoughts, they turned to my family. Seems like my wife and I, we never really saved for Christmas presents, but we still found the money to spend because there was a bunch of lists. It wasn't us this time, it was them. And their lists were the same as mine. They were pretty long, pretty personal, and pretty selfish. Only now, with an added pretty, at least from my perspective, they were pretty expensive. But then another change entered into my life 
2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. And as a new creation, I've gathered a new perspective. A new perspective. Still have long lists, but just different priorities now. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So now it's a new list. It's pretty personal, no longer so selfish, not so expensive, still long, but now laced with the love of God. So today I'd like to share that list from the perspective of a grandparent, grandpa to his grandchildren, a 57-year-old to his two-year-old through eight-year-old, or you can plug in however many-year-old yours is, from the mature to the less mature, from those, from he who has gained life experience to those who have their lives ahead of them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, it says, one who is a child, who speaks as a child, understands as a child, and thinks as a child. But me, as a Christian man, had to put away childish things. And again, through the experiences of life, see things from a different perspective. And so now, just my prayers towards my grandchildren, my gift, my desires is for a gift for them, for the things in the areas that really matter that I would see them grow up to be men and women who would glorify God in their lives. But not just that, but would have a proper perspective of things and stuff and priorities and what is really important in life. So the first thing, and I'm going to be looking at three things here. The first thing on my wish list for them is that they would know what God is like. They would understand God and who God is. And to really know what God is like, you must do as the wise men did. You must look into the eyes of, the, of, the eyes of that child, of the Christ child. There's no other way to know God but to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this isn't just a glance, but a desire for discipleship, that my grandchildren would dig into the Word of God, that they would understand the love that God had for them to such a degree that He sent a Savior that they would not perish but they would have everlasting life. That, that God, that God who is, has sent this Savior for them personally. That God truly loves them all, but God really loves Noah. That he loves Seth, Mariah, and Henry, and whoever else is to come. But I, I really have that desire and that passion for my grandchildren that they would know God. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the face of God, and when you look into the face of Christ, you see our Heavenly Father. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15, or verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. It's one thing to look at all of those presents all wrapped up and see their splendor, but it's quite another thing to look inside. Jesus is our gift. He's a gift who is wrapped in an in a, in a earthly body, in a human body. But when you look inside, it's there that you see the intent of God. It's there that you see the, 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 the message of all of the prophets throughout all of the Old Testament. It's there that you see the hope of mankind. So many people just look at the package and never open the gift. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, Jesus. Yeah, he existed, no doubt. He was a, he was a wise man. He, he was definitely a prophet, but they, don't, they, they never opened the gift to see this gift that God has had for all humanity. And my prayer is is that my grandchildren, they would unwrap the gift. They would unwrap the gift and embrace the present. We're told in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, 
For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And that's part of my prayer, that they would look at that gift, that they would open that gift, and they would be able to comprehend what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height of the love of God. And again, that speaks in four dimensions. It's the dimensions that we can't comprehend, but apart from Christ, we could never comprehend the love of God. But then came that day that the love of God was revealed to mankind. I've said it before, I believe that if any of my grandchildren went to be with the Lord, if God took any of them, I, I truly believe that just that, that they would be with the Lord. Um, I, I see faith, and I see seeds of faith. But I also look forward to the day that they're able to truly make that decision. And I want to be there, and I want to be part of that decision so that our, my grandchildren, our grandchildren, would truly be that next generation that continues to push forward in the Christian faith. It's in his face of grace that my grandchildren would learn not to use the values of this world to determine their worth, but their personal value would be based upon that which was used to purchase their life. And we know that that was with the life of that Savior. Have you ever watched the Antique Roadshow? It's on channel 28, at least. On, you know, we, we, we don't have cable. We just have you know, the, the air that comes over on the antenna. The Antique Roadshow. And you have these people, and some of them bring in, you know, they're bringing their stuff, the stuff that's been around the house, maybe even their parents' house forever, and they're not really sure. They, they kind of have a, a, a belief that maybe it's worth something, but they bring it in there, and some people, I think, really believe that it is junk, and a lot of it looks like junk to me, but... That's beside the point. And they sit down with the expert, and the expert looks at it, and he evaluate, evaluates it. And then sometimes, yeah, well, this is this, well, it depends, you know, some appraisers, da-da-da. But I, I think you could safely get, to, you know, $20,000 for it. And then the person pretty much falls over in their chair. And, you know, they're, they're just shocked because on the outside, it just didn't look to be all that, well, desirous of a thing. But it's what's inside. It's what it's all about. It's the totality of the gift. And again, my, my grandchildren, I want them to realize all of the riches of Christ Jesus. And not just from an arm's length, I want them to receive it. I definitely want them to believe it. Next on my list for them is that they would come to the awareness of the totality of the forgiveness of sin. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18-21, through 21, it says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like gold or silver from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. 
it's my desire that my grandchildren, that they would know that all of their shame, guilt, all of their faults and their failures would not hound them. That they would understand that Jesus Christ, at that moment that they received him as their Lord and Savior, there was that realization of the forgiveness of their sins. And we can so look at that and the forgiveness of everything I've done, or maybe even the forgiveness of what I'm doing, but it also goes into the future of anything that you will ever do. When Jesus washed us clean by his blood, he washed all of our sins away. See, really, it's not individual sins. And my past religious experience taught me that you've got to confess of this, this, and this, so that I would go into the confessional booth and I, you know, I lied five times, I disobeyed my parents ten times, which was a lie because I probably did it 20 times those times. You know, I just didn't know what to say, and I wouldn't want the priest to get I didn't want to fail confession. Um, but it's not about dealing with the individual sins. It's about dealing with the nature. It's about, again, becoming that new creation in Christ. That my grandchildren would know and understand that Jesus Christ died for their natures because he desired them so that they can boldly enter into the throne room of heaven that yes, they are going to fail and they will have faults, but they would really understand. And I think this is something that the church needs to get as well, and I pray that I even have an understanding of it, but they would really come to an understanding of how far the East is from the West. We're told that God has separated our sins as far as the East is from the West. How far is it? It's the span from one hand to the other as he was upon the cross. It's that one death that, that did away with all the sins of those who would receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So that you and so that I, that we can walk in victory in full confidence of forgiveness. That it would not be just a wondering about if I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It will be the knowledge of that and the knowledge that I will enter into his presence on that day. And it's so sad when you look into the face of those people that don't have that. I, I brought up one man this morning that we went, we went door to door yesterday, and I brought up one man that we came to his house, and we knocked on the door. I talked about it this morning. We knocked on the door, and, and Chris, I was with Chris, and Chris asked him, if you were to die today, where would you go? And his answer was, I would go to hell. And the bad thing about that was he wasn't trying to goad us and he wasn't trying to be a smart aleck kind of a thing. He really believed that he would go to hell. He kind of dropped his head as he said that. And we told him, we spoke of the gospel and we told him of Jesus Christ and how Jesus Christ died for him. And he was just kind of staring blankly ahead, not ignoring us, but really you could see the conviction of the spirit in his life. And then, as I mentioned this morning, when I asked him, can I pray for you? He simply said, no. And I just, my heart just broke for that man. I, I can't remember anybody who's ever refused prayer, even unbeliever. One guy I visited in a hospital, I asked, can I pray for you? He did, one of his relatives asked me to be there. You can tell he didn't want, really want me there. Can I pray for you? He goes, well, if you gotta. And I did. I prayed for him, and he did bow his head and close his eyes, and, and it was just sad. But then we went to the next door, and a young I say a young child. <laughs> For me, 20 years old is a young child. But a young man, a young man answered the door, and we, uh, we invited him to, to hear for uh, this morning or this evening for our outreach. And um, then we asked him, do you go to church? And he says, no, I don't go to church. I'm an atheist. 
and, you know, kind of smart alecky a little bit. But, oh, really? And so we started talking to him about what it means to be an atheist. And then finally he says, well, you know what? I don't really understand all the things about being an atheist. And I asked him, how can you be an atheist and not know what you believe? I told him he was a disgrace to all atheists. I mean, again, that's just a disgraceful thing to not know what you're supposed to know. I mean, if you're going to be an atheist, you better dive in full force into atheism. I don't mean to make light of his situation, but again, he was just using that, obviously, because, well, he didn't really want to hear what we had to say, and we know he didn't really want to hear the gospel message, but we gave it to him anyway. But again, you saw that same forlorn look in his eyes as we were speaking those things. Again, he didn't receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, but I felt we really had an opportunity to share the gospel in such a dark place. And those houses, those were the last two houses that we shared. Matter of fact, I think all before, I don't think we shared with, we shared with one other person before. And we went through quite a few houses, and we said, well, there's only two left. And those two that were, I think we had the biggest impact. Again, didn't see, the, didn't see salvation, but nonetheless were able to share. And again, I used the illustration this morning. It's as if I worked hard because I wanted to get you a gift. And as I worked and I sweated over that, I finally got the money and I went and bought the gift and I had it wrapped real nice and gave you the present for Christmas. And you thanked me and you took it and you set it aside. And then a few months later, I come over to your house and I see the gift and it's kind of pushed in the corner. You've got an ugly Christmas tree sitting on top of it. It would hurt my feelings. Never opened the gift. And that's how salvation can be. There's the gift. It's available to you. And all you have to do is take it and open it. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And it's almost as if you want to grab those two people and shake them by the collar and say, that's all you have to do. And, and that emptiness in your life and the forlorn, the forlorn look that you have is because you've got that empty place within your soul. And... We go and we share the word, and it's kind of like what the angel said to John, that if you eat it, it's going to be sweet in your mouth, but it will be bitter in your stomach. There's the sweetness of the gospel, and the people receive Jesus Christ, but there's also the heartache, and there's the bitterness in the stomach of those who refuse Christ. My wish for my grandchildren is that they would truly experience the freedom that the knowledge of the gospel brings. Not just knowledge for knowledge's sake, because that puffs up, but that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That they would understand what freedom means. Freedom to forgive. Freedom to forgive, well, understanding that God forgave them, but also freedom to forgive others. Freedom to worship God. To truly understand a holy God and the attributes of God and what God has done and continues to do. And then freedom to be bold in the Lord because God, well, our faith goes from faith to faith, to faith. As I've said before, everybody here who's a born-again believer, you're related to an apostle because of the apostle's ministry, not by blood, but through the blood of the Lamb, because one of the apostles shared the word and it went through all of the ages from faith to faith to faith all the way through to you. And it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to think that, well, if the Lord tarries, that I can have influence through the preaching of the word, just seeing one soul saved, for generations of people. It's the power of the Word of God. That they would understand, 
yes, as the Son has set them free, that they would be free indeed to look into the eyes of God and come to the startling revelation and realization of 1 John 3, 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that they should be called a child of God. And again, it's an amazing thing, the love of God. It's unconditional. It's not something that they could earn, but it is something that you learn and you make a decision towards that they would know the knowledge of the gift of God, that Isaiah 1.19 would be a reality in their lives. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. That again, they would understand the beauty of the Lord and His forgiveness of their sins. And last on this list, under the heading of right relationship with Jesus Christ, that they would have a real hope of heaven. A real hope of heaven. Faith, faith is trusting for God, in God, for today. Our hope is the trust that we have in God for our tomorrow. I know, I, I know just as surely as I know anything, that if God takes me home tonight, I'm going to be in his presence. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And you see the impact that that had upon the apostles' lives. Because again, you read the Gospels and you're thinking the, the, the future of Christianity is going to be in their hands. But then Jesus, he ascends to heaven. The Holy Spirit is sent. They saw Jesus die, but they saw him resurrected. And they realized the lessons that were given. Just as surely as Christ was resurrected to new life, they will be resurrected to new life. And they have that great hope within them. And since they possess that, each and every one of them was willing to give up their lives for the gospel. And they all did, with the exception of John. But even John really did. He wasn't martyred, but he gave of all of his life for the glory of God and the giving of the gospel because he had the surety of that great hope of heaven set before him. See, if you have a real hope of heaven, then you will never be disillusioned in this world. You turn on the news, the news is usually bad. Somebody's taken hostages. There was a mother, I believe it was, who killed like eight of her children just yesterday or the day before. And we're just seeing, you know, I, I, for the longest time I just believed it's because there's so many news agencies and they need content that we're hearing more and more of this. But there is more and more of this. There's people who are doing just simple, horrible things. But the good thing about it is we're not of this world. But we can have impact in this world. We can change the world. And we change the world one person at a time. And so I've got to see it that way. I've got to understand that just as God has given me a hope, he's given the potential to anybody who comes in contact with me, a born-again believer, or contact with you, that ability to give that hope to them. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Now Jesus had just told them that he was going to be crucified upon the cross. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. So, how many of you knew of the gift you were going to be given before you got it? That was one of my specialties, being able to guess my children's gifts. They would give me a gift, and it was kind of flimsy. A shirt! How did you guess? You know, just something along those lines, and I just, you know, I'd make something up or whatever, but it was kind of fun. Well, you would think about that gift, and you would envision using that gift that you desired, and you would be excited about a gift, 
And then that gift, when you finally got it, if it truly came true as a child, you'd be excited because there it was under the tree. That which you could previously only envision within your mind now has become a reality. Somebody had given my wife, my wife and myself a gift, and they gave it to my wife, and we got home and we opened it up, and then my wife saw the person here this evening, and she said, hey, thank you for the gift. And she said, you opened it? My wife's a snooper, and so she snooped, just as I'm a snooper as well. Well, with Jesus Christ, we've been told of that gift. And I'm telling you of that gift, if you've yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that it's a gift that God has given. And what a shame for those who don't open it up. What a shame for those who do not receive that gift. And again, I didn't really understand the gift. I knew the gift was there for so long, but I refused to open the gift for a long time within my life. But then came the day that I truly did open the gift. And what a surprise. It was in my possession. It was in my, I should say, it was in my ability to receive it and to open it for so many years. And I refused to do so. But once I did, it made all the difference. And so I look at the Christmas specials on TV, hear the Christmas carols as they're being played. And when I got saved, it just gave a whole new perspective to those things. They're talking about my Lord. They're not so much Christmas carols, but they're praise songs. They're worship songs. They're songs that are honoring Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, it says, But in keeping with the promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. And that's what I pray that my grandchildren would do, being looking forward to eternity, the eternity that God has for them. So just as for my grandchildren as with you, if you just glance at this gift, this little child, you'll miss so much. But if you look into his eyes, you look into the eyes of the prize, you'll experience all the riches of heaven. And so let me ask you, are you born again? No matter how many times you've been to church, no matter how many times you've read the Bible or how many Bibles you own, are you born again? Because again, I do not ask people anymore if they're Christians because it seems like everybody's a Christian. But are you born again? Can you look at your life? And this is what you need to consider, and I'd ask that you would think about that. Because the Bible says, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. He was very clear about that. And so looking at the timeline of your life, if you would look at it, is there a point in the timeline of your life that a change occurred? That time when you became born again, Christ entered your life and changed the course of your life. That you were one way before and you were a another way after. I can look at that day in my life and I can see when Christ entered my life and I can see when I became born again. I don't say that I'm born again arrogantly. I don't say born again based upon anything else, but there was that day that I became born again that Christ, that God made the change. Is all I did? I heard a message. I heard a gospel. Matter of fact, it was a message, I'm sure, very similar to the messages, many messages that I had heard before. But this time when I saw the gift, when I was reminded of the gift, this time I opened the gift. And I was never the same. I was never the same. My perspective of the world was never the same. Christmas, Christmas became a joy. And really Christmas was turned into every day, but that's not the point. But there was a brand new perspective of life and there was a brand new perspective of my future, a brand new perspective of my family and different desires of my life. 
So again, can you look at your life and can you say that was the date or maybe that was the time when I was born again? If you can't do that, it's time to do that. It's time to do that today. Again, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you proclaim Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, because just as surely as God raised him from the dead, he's going to raise those who are Christ from the dead as well. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that you'll be saved. There's no ceremonies. There's no special anointings. It's what you do within here. It's not about the raising of a hand. It's not about the saying of a prayer. Now, we do those things, but we do, do those things because of salvation. We do not do those things for salvation. Salvation is you and Jesus Christ. And it's a personal relationship with a sovereign God and the work that a sovereign God does within your life. And I can sit here and I can try to explain it, but it's trying to explain what it means to love a spouse. I can tell you all about it, but until you have a spouse, you can't fully understand that. And it's even so much more with the Lord. In order to see the beauty and experience the beauty, you have to enter in. And there's only one way that we enter in. We enter in through faith. Father, once again, we just thank you for this evening. Lord, I just pray that you would bless the kids and all of those who put so much time into this this play and this day. And I just pray, Father, that you would just give them the satisfaction of service to you well done. But Father, I also lift up this message and Lord, not so much the things that I said, but the things that you have to say through your word. And Father, even as I came in contact with those two men yesterday and it turned out to be bitterness within my stomach just to see, Lord, their lostness and their refusal of your gospel, I pray, Father, that it would not be so here tonight if there is anybody here who can't pinpoint that time that they got right with you. And so, Lord... You approach Nicodemus, this man who was really religious. He was exceptionally educated. He was somebody who was really respected in the community. And as he approached you, Lord, you just turned to him and said, you must be born again. There has to come that time in your life that there is a change. And so we just give that invitation tonight. We give that invitation tonight that you would receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's that Well, there's that conviction, that conviction in an unsaved state before we're born again, when we hear the name of Jesus that we can cringe, when we hear the gospel message or somebody telling us that we've got to get born again, there's that conviction. And I pray tonight that if that's you, that you would surrender to that conviction, that you would open your heart and you would believe, that you would take that leap of faith and say, Jesus, I want open the gift of salvation that you freely offer to me. I guarantee you that will be a prayer that the Lord will answer. It's not about you cleaning your life up. It's about you giving your life to Christ and Christ doing the work. And so, Father, again, I just pray if there's anybody here tonight who has yet to receive you, who is not born again, that, Father, they would surrender their lives to you. And right now, as eyes are closed and heads are bowed, If you desire that, I pray that you would just raise your hand. Again, not for salvation, but because I've opened my heart to Christ. Because everybody that Christ called, he called so publicly. And we do this for the purpose of encouragement, of encouraging you. So again, you can mark that date on your soul that that's the time that I got right with Christ. 
but also to encourage the church and the church in its ministry. And then afterwards, we'll all just simply stand and say a prayer together because we're brothers and sisters and everybody here has come into the kingdom of heaven the very same way. So again, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've walked away from Christ and want to come back tonight to mark this state, just simply raise your hand. I'm just going to acknowledge it. Is there anybody here? We had people this morning that were bold and understood that. Is there anybody here? I see your hand to my left. Is there anybody else? It's a hard thing to do, but it should be a hard thing to do that we ought not to do these things haphazardly. Is there anybody else? I see your hand to my left. Is there anybody else? Is God speaking to your heart? Do you feel convicted? Do you feel that pain of rejection once more? Well, come into the arms of Christ. Anybody else? Anybody else at all? I see your hand off to my right. Is there anybody else? God is so good. God is so good. And it doesn't matter what you've done or what you've said. His hands are open to you tonight. Is there anybody else? You can put your hand down. Father, you've seen these hands, these three hands that have gone up before you. And Lord, I I know I've been there and we've all been there. It is a hard thing to do because what we are doing is surrendering our life. We're letting go of the control of our lives. And Father, when we've had control of them, in actuality they were out of control, but we're giving them to your control. Lord, as we proclaim you to be Lord, we're proclaiming you to be the governor of our life and the totality of our life. And so, Father, I pray for those who have raised their hands, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit. I pray, Father, that you would use them in glorious ways, that, Father, they would honor your name through the commitment that they've made tonight. And I pray, Father, for the hard times, because there's none of us that has ceased sinning. As long as we are in these bodies, the flesh is going to war against the spirit, and the spirit will war against the flesh and the devil will tell us that we're no good and we're not worthy. And in actuality, he's right. But, Father, we can always look back at this point. And tonight, there's three people that can look back at this point and know that that's the night I did what God had commanded me to do, that I am now a child of God. Oh, how great the love that the Father has lavished upon me that I would be called a child of God. And so, Father, we just thank you and praise you. We just lift up this day and just give it to you as a sacrifice unto you, Lord. I just thank you, Father, for your goodness and your graciousness that you just simply be glorified through our humble offerings, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and stand. We're going to say the sinner's prayer together. Then we're going to go ahead and be seated. And then our children's choir is going to come up and they're going to close us in song. But first of all, We say this prayer together, and really what it is, it's to foster the feeling of family. Because everybody who has come into the kingdom of heaven has come in the exact same way through the simple, well, just receiving of Jesus Christ. So just repeat after me. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Jesus, you died on the cross to save sinners. You died to save me. Lord, I thank you that you have forgiven me of my sins that you have cleansed me and given me a new life. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Enable me to follow you every day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Welcome to the house of God. Go ahead and be seated and our worship team will come up. Um, I'll be in the back if anybody who raised their hands has any questions or anybody else wants to know anything about a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And then uh, we have our Christmas schedule, a little bit different than our regular schedule. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to be here for Christmas Eve. I better hurry up, I'm getting pushed out. For a Christmas Eve service. And then we're going to have Christmas Day service, 9 o'clock on Thursday morning. And then the next time we'll be meeting is Sunday. God bless you guys.